Hey, Lou. Kimmy, how are you? I'm really hot. Why are you so hot? <laughs> <laughs> We're sitting in your car with the windows up so that no sound can get in. Um, overlooking... Where, what are we overlooking? Well, this is Mount Tamapias. This is the east side of Mount Tamapias. It's beautiful. It's a very beautiful County. view. Yeah. But we're very hot because we've been trying to find a great place to record this podcast that isn't too big and it's quiet and nobody interrupts us. And uh, The only way to do that was to go to a remote place and then sit in my car because the office is too echoey. And it just goes to show you... A lot of creative endeavors are not glamorous. No, they're not. Even though there's like a, there's there's definitely a, a glamorous veneer to them, and but I you know I think that people who are not part of these industries that you know music and filmmaking and photography, I don't think that what they see is the final product and they see like the models and being on stage totally. and stuff like that. And that they don't seem to realize that there's a lot of unglamorous aspects that go into the final product. Well, and that, furthermore, I think that people have such a... People who aren't working in creative industries have, like, such a skewed view on, you know, the money that's being made and what it means to be an artist nowadays. Like, I always think about that during Christmas time because I always go home and... To your parents' house. To my parents' house. And, you know, I see, you know, I see, like, the parents of old friends. And I see people that I kind of grew up with. And everyone thinks it's, like, so glamorous that I'm a rock star in, in Los LA. Angeles. You know, for me, when, personally, I just completely always feel a little bit like a failure. Because I'm not, you know, I'm not living off being a musician. I'm working other jobs to supplement that. And, you know, even if I get written up in, like, a bigger magazine. Or, you know, even getting sponsored by Fender as an artist. Doesn't mean that I'm... You know, living... I'm not Taylor Swift. Well, yeah, well, don't you think that a lot of people equate fame with money? I think there's a lot oh, of yes. times where I've, you know, had moments where I've done something that's gotten me some um, higher profile. And, you know, and those are some of the times when I've been the most broke in my life. You know, it's just, it's just like... And people look at me, it's like, oh, I saw you on that TV show or something like that. Or I saw you on MTV back when MTV was doing music. And it's kind of like one of those things where... They think that because of that kind of exposure to the the broader public, that that somehow comes with this huge paycheck, and but it really doesn't. I no. mean, all the time, you know. I mean, I think when you start becoming like an A level celebrity and an actor, you know, the paychecks are definitely you know huge because you're a draw for the movie, and that's part of the deal for the movie. It's like we're going to get the star because it's going to bring people in. Not only are they talented, but they're somebody who's recognized, and it's sort of shifting a lot now what you and I have talked about are you know sort of internet fame and what that's translating to oh totally I mean I read this article I have to find it and I'll put it in our notes so people can check it out but there's this whole article on YouTube stars and how you know they'll have hundreds of thousands of followers but they're not making money enough money off of it to you know they're not on that level yet where they're getting you know I don't know how all the different ways that YouTube people make money, but mostly, I think it's mostly advertising, it's advertising, yeah. and like if sponsored, you know, videos. Right. But you know, there's some people that have like tons of followers who get recognized, but they get recognized at like their serving job because they're still having to do that. And you know, I, f I do actually feel like internet fame is strange because you can be super famous on the internet and still not have any money. Right, and then another corollary to that is that. Some people who've gotten really famous on the internet and then have found a way to make some money 
which is, you know, sponsors will come in and say, Mm -hmm. Hey, listen, just if you could use our product in your videos, or if you could open our product in the videos, so Casey Neistat, um, comes to mind about this. And then there's a lashback that the, is he that photographer? Yeah. He's like a videographer guy, sort of filmmaker guy. The second person that's talked to me about him in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And you know, the the thing's really interesting about, um, Casey's stuff is that he kind of runs around New York and, um, you know, he had a really famous video in which he was, um, being pulled by a truck when it snowed in New York on, on a uh, snowboard. And then the police pulled him over. And, and the funny thing, the beautiful thing about that, that video is like, they recorded the police when they're talking to us like, Hey, we're just pulling you over. So people think we're doing our job here. But we think what you guys are doing is great. And so <laughs> it's just, he's, he's a really, he's a fun guy. But the interesting thing about, um, Casey's, um, videos is that he, he employs cinematography to create the videos. Like he'll put the, his camera down on a bench and then ride into frame. Mm. type of thing and then he'll cut to him holding the camera so it's actually he's actually putting together a a movie so it's a really high production value yeah it's creative and it's a high production value because he really cares about the storytelling my friend told me that it's everything is like basically a movie he makes it's like all these mini movies which i think is i love that and i think that that is such that's something i can get behind rather than a lot of the internet stuff that i don't get where i'm like oh i'm an old person now that doesn't get that why this is popular because this is seems really dumb you know right and, <laughs> but the, the thing that's really interesting about it all is you know casey does this high production value stuff and it's you know it's enjoyable to watch and and it definitely is a vlogging type of thing and you have to be interested in casey as an individual but um you know, he's got a lot of followers, but then as he started unboxing products on his show, not really calling the products out, but sort of like, oh, I got this in the mail today. I'm going to open it up and see what it is. Um, there was a lot of people that kind of lashed back against him saying that, oh, he's a sellout. And and they were really bummed because they feel that he became inauthentic. And the only thing I could think about that is like, okay, here's this guy. He's putting together an interesting YouTube channel and he's employing some really awesome high-end techniques to make the show high production value and interesting and now people are mad at him because he's finally found a way to make some money with it and it's it's tough i mean it's it's a really i i feel like audiences are capricious because they don't really understand what goes into making good quality stuff totally well we're we are now living in a society where everything is free you can get everything on the internet for free so when when anyone has to pay for it they don't want to because they can get it for free but then it's weird because there can't be that double standard. You can't just expect people to, you know, not eat, not have a place to sleep, and just do everything for free for you. They're... Well, and making videos is, is a, it's a costly endeavor. It's I mean, totally... if you do if you do do it at the level that Casey's doing it at, it's it's not cheap. And people say, well, he's got his own camera, he just sets it all up. It's like it's, it's t- the man he spends a lot of time doing this yeah. stuff and that's a lot of time that he's not doing something else to make money. Anyone who's ever had to edit anything knows how time consuming Which is it. something I will never ever do in my <laughs> yeah. entire life because that's just not a skill set that I own. Yeah, it, I mean, I, I've i just got into Premiere last year and I was like, this is just rendering things. Takes this is Adobe forever. Premiere? Yeah. That was not product placement by the way i'm just no no, confirming. no it was, <laughs> yes adobe premiere i don't it, it's a great product we love you adobe premiere no <laughs> um so yeah so if adobe if you're listening just send a check too yeah um and then you know the other side of it is when there's any sort of fame associated to anything um you, you know i some of the moments when i had some peaks of high profile during my career i remember being out and getting drinks and talking to a group of people that were going to have me direct something for them. 
and it, you know, it was all going very well. And I was definitely going to get hired. And I remember like the weird shame around running into the bathroom and calling my credit card company to make sure I had enough room on my credit card to pay for the drinks that was going to get me my next job. That was actually really going to pay well, but being in that weird zone, I mean, just because I had gotten some popularity did not necessarily mean that equated to money. The popularity came from something that I'd done for free. I'd written it for free. I got some people to back me and everybody worked for nothing in the hopes that I would, you know, get more directing gigs and hire more people. But it was just, it was a very odd feeling to be treated so well on the one hand and not know if I could pay for the drinks on the other hand. That was like a very duplicitous type of thing. I I mean, that's the entire, I feel like that is such a, especially for when you're starting out and anything in, in music, it's the same thing, you know, where yeah, like I, I've been written up in like bigger online magazines where everyone's like, it's happening for you. And I'm like, is it because I feel like I spend, you know, eight hours a day working on music and I'm paying at this point to make, to make my art. I'm pay- I'm the one that's paying out of pocket to make the art. Right. And it's, I guess it's like little, you know, little victories, but they kind of don't even feel like little victories. It just feels like, oh, well, the minute I feel like some, it'll support me. It's so weird how we link money and success together as well, artists. Money, yeah, know? so like, I guess having a lot of money means you're successful, but if you're famous, that also equates to success, but doesn't necessarily equate to money. Yeah. I was. We went and saw Tori Amos um, about two weeks ago in Oakland, and the, I'm so sorry, I can't remember the name of the band that opened for her. Um, cause they were great and they were just, the singer was funny and really engaging to the audience. And it's like, they had gotten called two weeks before they were on stage. And the day that they got called, they were playing in a living room and they were doing like living room shows. And the one living room show they'd just done was specifically for a couple. And like the couple was making out in front of them as this band is playing. And this is like how they're making their money. All of a sudden they get the call from Tori Amos, like, how are you going to finish the tour with me? And now they're paying on stage in front of like, you know, 5,000 people. And they said it was just so weird. But then, you know, as the Tory show closed, after Tory was done, you know, we were walking out and the, one of the band members from the opening band, we will put this in the show notes because I really want to give them exposure. Yeah. They were awesome. But one of the band members is out there with his CDs, like out on the street in front of the venue saying like, hey, buy our CD, buy our CD. So it's just like, God love him. I mean, he's doing it. But like, he was just on stage in front of 5,000 people, you know, and two hours earlier I think that is like what I refer to as the hustle and I really relate to that because I think when you're in that predicament where you maybe are just coming out of having to hustle for everything that you do you, even when you're starting to hit it big you're still like I still have to hustle because you know that you have to parlay your like you know, the limelight into something else, you know? And I think I really like appreciate that. And I think that's going to be a lot of what we're going to explore yeah. on this podcast. Yeah, it's like, like the hustle. How, <laughs> yeah, it's, going to, it's going to be about the hustle and it's going to be how to, and, and some very, I think we're going to have to do a show about the very significant realities. Like if you hit um, a moment where you're doing a quick rise up and you're starting to make a lot of money, like how to put that money away to understand that that, that rise is not going to happen forever. Totally. You and I have been through some very high, high peaks and deep, deep valleys. Yeah. And they, I've never known anyone who hasn't had both, both the sides, you know, right. I think that's, I think it's really important as a creative person to know that that's going to happen. No matter how high you go, you're going to go down. And when you can be prepared for it, it makes all the difference. And I think even for me now, whenever I like hit something where I'm like, you know, like this last year Fender endorsed me, which I think was like a dream of mine to be 
as somebody who's not like a crazy shredder guitar player to be, be endorsed by like my favorite guitar brand was like checking off a box. But when it happened, you know, I was so, but it, it wasn't this thing where I was like, now this is it, you know, because I think I've had, you, an, you didn't go million dollar house shopping. <laughs> totally. I'm not like, everything's going to change now. No, it's like, okay, this is great. And this is, you know, uh, a rung in the ladder, but it's not, you know, when I was much younger, whenever I would get like a tiny bit of success, you know, if I got like a bigger show or something, I'd be like, this is it. I would get so excited. I'd be like, this is it. I'm about to blow up. And I would just get so disappointed again <laughs> and again and again. I would just, you know, it would just be this like, woo, like, you know, today this stage, tomorrow, uh, you know, Carnegie the, Hall, Carnegie Hall, the world, you know, right. and it, it, no, 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 it doesn't work it like that. Was like today the stage, tomorrow no stage. Like yeah, exactly, know? exactly. But, and there, and there's certainly you know exceptions to the rule. I mean, we've oh, seen some people like blow, blow up, big up and and that's and that's and it, that's the exception, not the rule. Sadly, you know. But I think that's why it is. I think if you just have realistic expectations, and by no means like, and you're smart. I mean, yeah. this this you need to do yeah. have, you need to be smart with whatever success you're getting and, and, and how to multiply that. Exactly. And, and just, you know, just be, be prepared and be realistic. And whenever I say that people are like, Oh, that's like kind of, you know, don't you have dreams? I'm like, I have such big dreams, but I also know how to manage them. Right. And it's, you know, even if you're making, um, you're living being a creative professional, like a musician or whatever it is that you're doing, um, you still have to, to do the same boring math as everybody else who has a regular job. Totally. And I think, you know, getting back to where we start off, like the unglamorousness of being in a creative field. I mean, in a band, people are like, oh my God, amazing, you're going on tour. And I think they all they can think about is like the Rolling Stones, like lavish, <laughs> you know, parties. And it's like, that's not what tour is like. Tour is... The grueling. Yeah. You don't get to actually ever see the cities that you visit because you, you arrive and then you spend, you know, seven hours at the venue. And then maybe maybe for 15 minutes, you can like walk around the corner of the coffee shop. And then that night you leave to drive the you know x amount of miles to the next place and it's this for a month you do that and you're in a van with like you know three other people and you're tr you know you're trying to manage your mental health you're trying to manage your overall health because you're basically just like living off your physical of, health right? yeah, yeah and you're and you're trying not to get into fights with your band because no matter if if you love i like love my band they're my brothers but unless you know how to handle things like that, like you're going to drive each other crazy. It, everything becomes so much louder. Like <laughs> when you're in a van, the smaller the space, the totally. louder. The, so, you know, we yeah. all, we, whenever we have a chance, we literally are like, we're all going our separate ways for even 15 minutes. And it's so important to take that time, but it's so unglamorous. Like touring is the most unglamorous thing ever. And the only thing that makes it worth it is when you have like a good show and you hopefully have some good shows, but a lot of it is just like, cool. Five people in like New Mexico, two of which don't care. Right. You know, and but maybe, but then maybe you get like one fan that really does care and that makes it worth it. And it's so interesting. You like, you just have to really, you always have to just focus on the one good thing that happens. And because it, for the most part, it's the beginning, starting out. Yeah. Unless no, you, if, yeah. you, if you, if you, allow any focus on any of the negative things like you drive yourself insane so quickly totally and so, if, you so know quickly. and I, i'm sure that happens i'm sure that just like happens across the board i mean i don't have much experience in like the film or in the film world but i modeled when i was younger like i've seen you know i've 
seen friends or photographers and models be like, oh, I got this thing now. I'm going to, yeah. you know, I got this editorial and tomorrow Vogue is going to call me. It's like, nope, that was the only editorial you ever got. And after that, your agency fired you because you looked too exotic and all they wanted was like big blue eyed. Yeah, it is a crazy, crazy world. Well, like I said, we've got a lot to unpack in the yeah. coming episode, so I think it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. But, yeah. uh, but now we're going to open the door, let the fresh air it, in. Yeah, I know, because it's getting stale in here from our exclusive sound room at the top of a hill yeah, in my car. Million dollar view. Million dollar view. <laughs> All right, bye, Lou. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>